How do you define success? What is success to you? How do you find blessed? While there are no wrong answers, Jesus asks questions to engage deep thought and to meet people where they are, then bring their thinking up to the level in which God intends that man should think, consider, and make sound decisions. This week, as we travel through scripture, we will examine salvation, the salvific sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the importance of the confession of faith, how meditating the word of God, prayer, praise and worship contribute to the sanctification process, and ultimately, what success is according to the word of God. See, there weren't just 10 commandments, as most may be led to think. There were actually 613 laws of Moses. And because man is not perfect and unable to keep all 613 laws, also neither is woman, we need a savior. So this week we'll see the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and just how important it is that we, just how important it is to heed the word of God and allow it to transform us through the renewing of our mind. This process for transformation, change, and ultimately to walk out the will of God in our lives is deeply dependent on knowing God's word, as well as studying the word and renewing our mind, prayer, meditation, and of course, praise and worship. So join us this week as we travel through the Bible. Shh, class is starting. We're, we're on session number two. And if you look at your printout, it says that Jesus Christ to do the, the Father's will. This is a resume that is put together that we will be adding on to it every week. And going over again what we did last week, we will have, it's 10 sessions, Danielle, and then four off. It's uh, 12 weeks on, four off. 12 weeks on and four off. And what we're studying in now is uh, Charles, we're in Charles Stanley Life Principle Study Bible. And what we are studying now is uh, uh, principle number one, which, which tells us the intimacy of God. It talks about the intimate, intimacy of God. And um, we had a list last week of the whole sessions that we're going to go through. And what um, is our intimacy? The first principle is our intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives and determines the impact of our lives. And the key point in that for me was it's his highest. His. It says our intimacy with God but it says it's his highest priority for our life. So that means God's highest priority for us is that we have a full and meaningful life. Everything that we do, it's gonna be done to the glory of him. 
uh, this week, uh, like I said, it's the 12 week session. And the following three life principles as put forth by Child Stanley are critical to walking by faith and not by sight. You will be empowered to courageously face the challenges, challenges and holistically in this world as you grow in grace and live a life transformed by the encounter with the truth, love, mercy, and forgiveness of God. Uh, the first one, like I said, in intimacy with God is God's highest priority for our lives and determines the impact of our lives. Now, there's a key point on that because if it's his highest priority for us, if we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, he said he know the plans that he had for us. Plans that we would succeed, plans that we would have a successful life. And the key point of that is, is that a high priority for us as well? Because the only way to live a life that is pleasing to God is be obedient and follow his word and his will. Because God's word is his will. And I was thinking today when I was listening to somebody and, and, and they were saying that God watches over his word to perform it. Now, that's a pretty good key with that. Because if God's going to watch over his word, that means we need to learn the word in order to pray the word. And when we pray the word, he will perform the things in our lives that are his will for our life. That's a key point to me. And y'all can stop. We, we do take questions and whatever too. And I think we meant to ask before if there was anyone that had any questions from last week, because we did uh, touch a little bit on um, the, the principles and stuff last week. But I want to go through, through these three that we're going to study for the next 12 weeks. And then we'll open it up for a minute or two. If I think Sonia and Journey are the only ones that were here from last week. Uh, Mac and Mac and Iris are not here. So uh, we'll open it up for the two of you. If you have anything that you might wanna, you know, expound on a little bit this week. Um, uh, put the instruments, the, the three three back there, the three in, in intimacy. Yeah, the other one. Number two. I should have downloaded it. Now, some of you have the book and some don't. So if you go and read into like this week's session is what we're really going to expound on this week. The things like Psalms. And all of those that we're talking about tonight is different things that happen in the reading that gives us how important it is for us to uh, follow God and 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 live uh, a life of you know live a life that pleases Him. The second one that we're gonna come up in the next twelve, I think we're gonna go four weeks and then after we have two more sessions on intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives and determines the impact of our lives and then the next four weeks will be 
obey God and live the, uh, all the consequences up to him. And the third one will be, which will be four weeks as well. God's word is an immovable armor in times of storms and crisis. Now, if we open it up, you know, Sonia or, or Journey, uh, maybe you want to say something about what um, you have felt doing something that God had, had did or something that you had did and felt like you got closer to God as you were going and just build up how you know that God is the only one can, can, can do what needs to be done to determine the impact of our lives. So it's open up for a few minutes before we continue with uh, today's se session. Journey, do you or, or Sonia have anything? Um, I just, I mean, in that aspect, I would um, honestly say that I think this um, around this time is really when I'm coming into my own. I had a I had a bad habit of trying to always solve my problems um, on my own. I would say I would pretty much depend on me first and God second, and that got me nowhere. So it's um, recent recently when I just decided to kind of stop trying to do stuff on my own and kind of lean towards on God and prayer and just waiting for him, His timing to kind of manifest in some of the things that I was waiting on. It's now I'm starting to see a lot of things come to come to come to pass, if that makes sense. I think um, it'll be right on time and right in alignment with today's Bible study. Um, as she said, we're really going to be focused on the first principle, which is our intimacy with God, which is God's highest priority. Right. And um, it should actually push us to evaluate you know, what, how do we prioritize our life? What comes first? What comes second? Or should it even be a second? Should it be God as the priority and everything else is last? So um, I think definitely you will receive a lot of clarity today. Um, we're going to actually excavate Psalm 23, uh, which is David in the Valley, as well as I'm going to parallel it with John 4 and the Samaritan woman at the well. So we'll be able to also see um, God concealed and God revealed. God concealed in the Old Testament before the word was wrapped in flesh and dwelt among us. And then we'll see him in John 4 where we actually have Jesus on the scene uh, who was making real life encounters and literally changing the direction the trajectory of those who encountered him um so uh i know last week we did send out or a couple of days ago we did send out an outline from our first session which outlined um and you guys should have had some time to review psalms one and two as well as Matthew 22, 34 through 40 with some additional supporting scriptures. Our key points were, how do you define success? We uh, try, uh, attempted to give more insight into what sanctification is, salvation and the confession of faith and the benefit of meditating the word in Joshua. So, Last week, we left the floor open with how do you define success? And 
this was just something for you to examine yourself and how you define success. And I hope by the end of these first 12 weeks, we would have done enough to help you possibly change and reshape how you define success. I know at the beginning of my journey and really walking every day out with the Lord, um, my definition of success has changed dramatically. It's not success isn't tied to materialistic things. It's not tied to any places. Um, I have literally reprogrammed and I've recalibrated myself to a new definition of success. Um, also, um, we outline sanctification and I just want to briefly touch on your walk with God. After you've made the confession of faith for salvation um, that delivers you from the penalty of sin. According to the law of Moses, which was more than 10 commandments, it's actually 213 laws, um, which out, outline. Yeah. Which out, I'm sorry? It's 613 of Moses' laws. But it's, it's yeah, 213, 213 laws of Moses. No, 613. It's okay. Let's go. Um, but it outlines the moral, the civil, and the ceremonial ordinances as God gave it to Moses to give to the people of Israel. With Jesus's coming, his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection, he put in place a new covenant, which fulfills the law. It does not abolish it. So with salvation, with the confession of faith, we are delivered from the penalty of sin. Now, this next part of your Christian walk is the sanctification portion of it. The sanctification portion, uh, which only comes by the renewing of your mind, prayer, praise, worship, that intimate time with God. Sanctification is the deliverance from your habits of sin because we're born into sin and shaping through it, shaping by iniquity which means we're gonna pick up behaviors either through our eyes, our ear gates, different experiences, receiving and taking hold of other people's experiences, the reports, the news, those things actually shape your perception. And so now we literally have to, after years of sitting in so much, either through our life experience or things we've observed, now God has to come in and reprogram our minds. We're gonna be reprogrammed from the inside out. So a lot of people are like, well, that person is saved. Why are they still acting like that? If you're not spending the appropriate time and doing the appropriate heart work, then you won't see the fruits of that labor. Fruit is the end product of what the root is producing. So God actually works from the inside out so that if he fixes the root, then you get new fruit. And his will is that we have a root like a tree sitting by the rivers of living water where we produce not just abundant fruit, but abundantly good fruit. So your sanctification process is the process of being delivered from the habits of sin, which means if it took you years 
to acquire that habit, that behavior, it's going to take some time for the undoing of something that we've learned and practiced over and over and over again. Give yourself grace and give other people grace because everyone will be at a different point in their process. Therefore, no one is in the right position to look back and judge another. Lastly, we get delivered from the presence of sin when we transition and go into the presence of the Lord. Okay. So over the last week, has anyone um, added maybe a new behavior or committed to implement something new that they previously weren't doing? Being more dedicated to your Bible study um, or, or entering into a devotional, taking time to pray without rushing through? Was there anything in your um, usual lifestyle that just making one change you've done over the week and maybe knows the difference or you really enjoyed anything like that? Well, I can personally say, now mom can vouch for this. I normally don't get up to about 11 or 12, but as I was praying, I think it was, what's today? There's, I was praying Tuesday in the spirit. And he said, get up tomorrow morning. And I'm like, God, I don't want to get up tomorrow morning. But I did anyway. He woke me up. I got up at seven and, it, and I, I stayed with him for an hour. And as mom know, um, you know, I've been praying uh, this prayer. Oh God, just, just change my son's heart where he'll just, you know, know that I love him or whatever. When I got up 11, I, I, had, I went back to bed and he allowed me to go back to sleep because normally I don't go back to sleep once I'm awake. But when I got up at 1120, being obedient to God, my son texts me, I love you, mom. I really Praise do. And, and I said, oh my wow. God, you really wanted me to get up and be obedient to you. So this yeah. can come through to me. So now it's more like, it, it, and like today I'll say, I, I had said before mom called me, I said, Lord, you know, if they ask me to pray, you tell me what to say. <laughs> and she called me and she, I don't know, I, I tell people, I don't know if it's me or God, but I think he, he already had told me that I was gonna open up open prayer tonight. It's just to have that intimacy with him and to listen to him. So that's what I'm doing more, listening to him opposed to listening to me. And that's a, that's a key point there because you heard it. Yes. And you move by it. Yes. And now the next time you'll get more sensitive to the voice. Yes. And you'll be able to, to and, and what he did with JR too. Yes, ma'am. If you, it, I told you the key point, <coughs> and that is he is concerned. It says intimacy with God is his highest priority. He wants us to be intimate with him for our lives. It's his highest priority. So when you get intimate with him, it's his priority that you keep going and going and going and going, then you'll be able to discern, uh, uh, you'll be able to things that come to you that you didn't even know you could ever do. But God, I keep blessing us, keep changing us. And that's what's so important. And it, it's like, 
to hear you say that about Jr. and we just talked about him not too long ago yeah. and you were so concerned about him yeah and look what god did yeah out of obedience but what does that do for you you know it it actually it it was to me i was like oh my god you say good things but i now I can expect things to happen. Expectation to come with you knowing that when I say something, if it's according to your word, I can expect you to perform it. I can expect you to do it. And it doesn't have to be, actually, I told him, I said, you know what? I wasn't expecting that. You know, this is, I'm just transparent with him. I wasn't expecting, I knew he was going to do it, but I thought it was going to be like a process of a long time doing it so now I, I i go with expectation when i pray to him i expect you know with great expectation so i get up morning now and it's like i already know you're satisfied but now i come to you with a great expectation Praise and, God, man. And don't despise him asking you little things that's a little thing huh? for you to, that was a little thing for you to get get up a little bit early that's a I little know. thing. So you yes. can't, we, we can't even despise the little instruction that he gives right. us. Right. Um, and that's key to his obedience training. He right. doesn't start with a ginormous task and throws you in it. He starts with the little things and training you around his little things, his yeah. little mm -hmm. And um, what you'll find is you're probably going to move into um, a zone where you won't miss any opportunities. Like you'll be ready. You'll be prepared for any opportunity that's headed your way. And, you know, each day is filled to the brim with different kind of opportunities. He'll give you an unction where he might hold you back from going to the grocery store. Yes, that's on your schedule today, but he might hold you back an hour or two just so he could send you to the grocery store at the right time to run into someone who just needed a friendly hi. How are you doing? And it turns into an encounter. Yes, ma'am. So that's his divine timetable. And I just want to let you know, you are correct. I was sitting there dividing up the um, the laws by the ceremonial, the moral, and the civil. It is 613 laws with 10 commandments given. Yes. But he had to further um, go into more in-depth explanation of his expectations and what he wanted. So you couldn't say he didn't say that. Right. God was very particular to be very detailed and giving out the additional law because he knew who he was dealing with. So he'll also give you additional information knowing who you are, who he is dealing with, but he doesn't always have to give you all the information. Yes, And more instruction follows obeying the first instruction. If you do not obey God's first instruction, you are not going to get an additional instruction because you haven't done what he's asked you to do first. Okay. Um, so meditating the word, um, you had a, a report of obedience to a simple instruction. Um, so just anticipate him taking more and more charge of your day because the word says that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And when he says order, order isn't just putting them in line. Order in the Hebrew actually means to go up. So when you're attentive to his word and you're obedient and following his word, listening to do, which is hearken, 
those steps are going to climb you up. And the only thing I know that goes up with God are mountains. So you are starting your mountain journey. And it's going to be a great journey. It's so exciting sometimes uh, when you see, well, all the time, when you see God do certain things and you say, oh, my Lord, thank you so much. You just, I mean, you just can't stop praising him because you know it was only God that could do it. So see yeah. what you did. You give, give glory and credit to God. Yeah. You didn't give it to anybody. Yeah. You, you gave it the fact that God woke you up. He's the one who woke you up. You gave to the fact that you were obedient in doing it. And thereby, you got what you did by your spirit of obedience and being and 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 getting the discernment from God. And to have that, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Well, I that's thank a him. gift. I thank him. Yeah, thank that's a gift. And he's gonna keep sharpening it, keep sharpening it. And and it's just it's God is uh, he just I, I tell you it's just uh, it's just we we try to make sure we get out on time so we want to go to our sheet a little bit but if we go a little bit over sometimes y'all forgive us because it gets a little bit mm, good like your testimony Sonia was great yeah absolutely showing that you're growing in intimacy with God you you have your you are you coming to try to understand the book a little bit if you look and go back into the bible um to where it was for the did we do the whole week or just the days just the days well we we put the lesson on the whole week well the whole book is everything is like intimacy with god yeah. yes so, yeah so each day that you are reading your daily reading in that john uh i'm sorry charles stanley um Life Principles, New American Standard Bible, each day be looking for these three principles. Um, the Holy, Only the Holy Spirit can reveal this to you because this is a mystery book. So the natural man, um, the natural eyes will not see what God wants to illuminate or show you. So you have to go into this reading with um, the Holy Spirit as your guide to take you through the text um, which is, again, if there's anyone new on the line, we will send you um, the handout regarding the Bible, its structure, as well as um, a prayer to help you when entering into your um, solitude and Bible study time with God um, so that he can really have his way and really give you the download of his word. Uh, but every day you should be looking through your daily readings of intimacy with God, what obeying God's instruction, command, what benefit that reaps uh, for the current text and um, how his word is an immovable anchor. Those who clung to his word, Joshua, David, uh, Solomon, Jesus, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Esther, they had good success. Their time only came to an end when God called their time. It wasn't at the hands of someone else. 
he will establish you but his word has to dwell richly in you so this um uh, february the i think it was this february 16 covered psalm 23 and that is across pages 209 and 210 in the charles stanley bible At this time, we find David now in the valley. And Psalm 23 is notably known as the Psalm for the Shadow of Death. Contextual. At that, time, at that time, David was running. You can explain that part, and then I'll go into another. At this time, uh, the context behind the writing of Psalm 23. David was actually running from Saul. Uh, Saul at this time um, is now seeking to kill the only man who can actually soothe the tormenting spirit that God allowed to rest upon Saul due to his disobedience. So there are, are there are still consequences for disobedience um, for God's anointed. We do not escape in this life the consequences of disobedience because we are a christian there are still consequences there are there's still discipline depending on how well you learn from god's discipline because he really seeks to discipline us tenderly um however continued disobedience being hard-headed can lead to harsher discipline because he chastises those he loves like a good father would so we do not escape any consequences for our disobedience. But hopefully when you spend enough time in the word, enough time in prayer, enough time being um, obedient to God, he, it should come to a point where he doesn't even have to correct you anymore because his word dwells in you so richly, you should be able to self-correct. I, I just period do not like discipline and don't like correction i don't so i make it my business to be obedient to god but it's easier when you know who he is and that he's for you and he will intend no harm only good for you that only comes through swimming and taking your time in the word this is a slow walk it is not sprint it's a slow walk, which will turn into a marathon that at the end of your life, when you're presented before him, he should be able to say, my good and faithful servant. So Psalm 23, we see the man after God's heart running from King Saul, although he had already been anointed king. David at this time already has the anointing for the kingdom. However, the previous king, who is also God's anointed, is still in the seat. He has lost the position, but he's still sitting in that chair. And because God, I'm sorry, because David know God's word so well, he knew that he could not touch God's anointed. So despite being such a great warrior, a great and talented warrior who slew Goliath, um, and knowing God's word and being obedient to it, he, number one, always inquired of the Lord, which means he would pray to God, he would cry out to God. And 
he would go wherever God led him. At this time, he has been led into the valley. And that's where we find ourselves in Psalm 23. That puts us into when David said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. By him saying the Lord, he's acknowledging the fact that God is in control. He gave control to God. And he did not take the fact of knowing that God could, could get him out of this situation. God could bring him. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord actually means you are in control. And at that time, he no longer needed or wanted to be in control. He gave it over to God. And it says here, the key, uh, uh, David came to know the mind and the heart of God so that he might be and do what the Lord desired him. David frequently inquired of the Lord, sung psalms and hymns, communicating with God's depths of heart, and communicating. So that means he was before God. He knew, like, like uh, Janelle was saying, he could have killed Saul. But he knew that Saul, um, that that would have been wrong. So when we talk of shepherding, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherding, as it relates to this passage, is an image that correlates with ruling a leader for shepherd. Experience authority over a group of people which we consider sheep. In this case, the flock are God's people. They are his sheep. As David put it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalms 23, 1. Thus God as the shepherd of the flock will lead us, protect us, provide for us. This is what a shepherd do. A shepherd does all of these things. He cares for us. Uh, when we're injured, he, he, he heals us. He knows his sheep. He knows us. He knew you, Sonia. He knew you would do what he said you would do because he knows our heart. So he knew that you were ready to take on the task that you took on by discerning his voice. He will, to get up early, and I know you sleep the 10 and 12 o'clock. <laughs> so to get, get up early, that was a task for you. But you moved out of obedience, allowing him to be the Lord of your life, allowing him to take control and you relinquish everything to him and let him take uh, control. He even, a shepherd will even go after a sheep when they wander away. When you wander away, I, we, we know that he said he's married to the backslider. He'll stay there with you to bring you back in. But the best of all, he gives his life for his sheep. As we look at, 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 at Jesus, Jesus died for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. No one, he's a no respected person. No one is better than the other one. We are all one in the same. Yes, we're all uniquely made, but in his eyesight, we're all one in the same. Now, in Psalms 23, when David was acknowledging that the Lord as his shepherd, 
It is to communicate his relinquishing of his hands attempting to handle the issue. He was no longer attempting to control the situation. Sometimes the situation gets so rough, you don't want to control it. You want somebody to take it over. It's getting so overwhelming for you. So what did you say? If you can say, Lord, help me. You know that he said it, the voice of your cry, when he hears, he will answer. So you don't read that. So you know if you say it to him, he got to do something about it because he said it. Because he does not lie. What he said, he will do. So, uh, and likely uh, recognize his inability to properly handle this situation for an outcome favorable to him. Instead, David hands it over to the one capable and sufficient. The wonderful thing about this is the imagery of a, 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 a of a shepherd and his flock. It is that it depletes the tender way God leads his own, his flock. Think of the all-powerful, all-wise, could rule over us any, uh, rule over us any, anything he chooses, but he decidedly and unchangeably rules over us with everlasting love and kindness, forgiveness and compassion. David let a shepherd in life. But then there's another one that came. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. <laughs> and he did lay down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life. He died. He suffered. Why did he do it? It all sums up in love. love. And if you cannot love your sister and your brother, in First John, he tells us that. How can you say that you love God? You can. Because God is love. So God, Jesus is the good shepherd. And thereby, we hold on to the only, when we have intimacy with God, we got intimacy with Jesus. Because Jesus is the son of God who sent back the Holy Spirit that lives within us. He, he speaks from us. He speaks to us. He speaks through mm -hmm. us. So when we have the Holy Spirit within us, which we does, it helps us to have an intimacy, God. It gives us what we need to learn how to grow and have an intimacy with God. He wants us to be successful. And then he said in his word, St. John 10, 10, I come, that Jesus said this, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Are we living an abundant life? There are some things that we still need to do because if he said he watch over his word, if he said his word is truth and he do not lie, then if we're not living according to what the word said, then we're missing out. So let's get to where we can go through these studies and just suck the devil in his nose and knock him out and let him know whatever you speak through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's got to happen. So we got the power to speak to the enemy and he must flee. Amen. I give it back to Janelle. Amen. Amen. And um, I just want to go ahead and, you know, 
piggyback off of you, if there's anything you are allowed to have a chip on your shoulder about, it is about the deception of the enemy. He is totally okay with you keeping a chip on your shoulder about the enemy. Um, because he is our adversary. So in addition to Psalm 23, um, for the sake of our Bible study class, do we have God in that passage in the flesh or is he still in the spirit? Psalm 23, do we have God wrapped in flesh, present with David, or is he still spirit? I may be wrong, but I'm saying he's a spirit there. You are correct. Jesus has not came on the scene yet. Absolutely. He actually comes through the line of David. Right. So when preparing for this meeting, I didn't even know Psalm 23 was actually what we would be eating from today. I, I did not know. God gave me John 4. And so it wasn't until I went back through um, the Charles Stanley readings for this week that I saw how he wanted to string the scripture together. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps you string scripture together. So Psalm 23, with God still being in the spirit, is representative of God concealed. We can't see him. Um, we're trying to identify with him, but we don't know what he looks like. We, 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 we hear his command. We hear his voice. And spending time in the word, praying, um, praise and worship, it will attune you to the frequency that you need to operate on so that you can hear in the spirit. Uh, there's so much noise that God has to untrain your ears from, um, whether he uses your natural ears or your inner ears, because we have those inner ears that we hear from for his instructions because he's the indwelling spirit and there's the inner man. So continue to spend your time. You will start to find him fine tuning your hearing because he does prefer to speak in a gentle and quiet like voice, he really does. And the closer you get to him, that voice gets louder a little bit because you, you, you're so committed to being in the presence that you know how to get there, you get there quick and you get there close. Mm -hmm. So I was actually pivoted to John four. In John four, we have Jesus, um, on the scene now, him and his disciples. Um, I get super excited whenever Jesus is on the scene because you have to learn how to live in those red words. It's those red words that I draw my power from. I draw my, my inspiration, my encouragement, those red words. Um, it's to the point now that if I'm having a hard time or a hard day, I'm going to hear red words straight out of his mouth. Sometimes I get a word, sometimes I get the word. But for sure, I'm going to, going to hear Jesus speak on wherever the situation is. And when you come to know, learn and trust who God is, 
then you'll come to learn and trust he's the final authority. He's the author and the finisher, the alpha and the omega. So as soon as he speaks on it, I already know it's a wrap. And that's the confidence, the convincing that he wants you to arise to through the knowing of him. Again, it takes time. It takes commitment. And you really have to set your mind and heart to be calibrated to the mind of Christ. So in John 4, we actually have Jesus with his disciples. And Jesus's ministry is an on-foot ministry. They're traveling through Judea, um, across the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, Cana, um, Jerusalem, wherever they needed to go, they took and carried the word by foot. At this time, Jesus is set to actually um, head to Galilee, leaving Judea, and they have to pass through Samaria. The contextual history of uh, Samaria, Samaria is part of the Northern Kingdom, which is um, part of the 10 tribes of Israel that are shaped by, um, that broke away when we had internal conflict with Israel. So we have our Southern Kingdom, which is Judah and Benjamin. And then we have the Northern Kingdom, which were the other 10 tribes named after the 12 sons of Israel. And also Joseph's son, Manasseh Ephraim. Jesus is now on his circuit and headed to Galilee but they need to go through Samaria. Samaria is um, one of the Northern Kingdom cities. I'm trying to make it so it makes sense to us. It's one of the Northern Kingdom cities that when the Assyrians uh, took over and put them in captivity, some of the Jewish people intermarried with the Assyrians. And of course, though God forbade it because he wanted to avoid them taking on the cultural traditions and the religions of the, uh, the, the, um, the adversaries because they were idolatrous or pagans. Uh, this section of Jews intermarried due to the captivity. So now we have a mixture of Judaism with the, the mixture of idolatry and they would actually worship on mountains instead of worshiping at Jerusalem, which God had already determined to be the holy place. The intermarriage between um, these foreigners and the remaining Jews resulted in a mixed race. Of course, impure in the opinion as well as impure in the, in the religious practices and i said northern kingdom is actually the southern kingdom i'm sorry um pure jews hated this mix and so there was visible tension between the samaritans and what they would call the orthodox jews uh they set up an alternate worship center at mount gerizim um jews did everything they could to avoid traveling through samaria so Jesus at this time really had no reason to go through there, except that Jesus is a boundary breaker. He does not allow cultural restrictions, race, ethnicity. He does not allow anything to hold him back from doing the father's will. 
So in John 4, we actually encounter the Samaritan woman at the well. And what I'm going to share right now is how we're building intimacy with God. So Jesus as Adonai, the Messiah, the good shepherd, and what a major key to spiritual growth is, is sitting and spending alone time with the Lord. This is what will build your trust and your knowing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. David did this often and is known as the man after God's own heart, Acts 13. 22 again he came to know the mind and heart of god so that he might be able to do what the lord desired of him in john 4 we meet the woman at the well and it reads he left judea and departed again into galilee and he must needs go through samaria So he arrived at a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the tract of land that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was then about the sixth hour or noon. Then a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman asked him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Again, this is because of the division and the hostilities between uh, Orthodox Jews and what they de deemed clean and unclean according to the law. Because at this time, Jews would typically have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered her. If you knew about God's gift of eternal life and who it is who says, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead. And he would have given you living water, eternal life. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, no bucket and rope, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and who used to drink from it himself? and his sons, and his cattle also? Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up continually, flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. I am also reading from the Amplified Edition. The woman said to him, sir, I, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty nor have to continually come all the way here to draw. At this, Jesus said, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I do not have a husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands and the man you are now living with is not your husband. You have said this truthfully. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place where one ought to worship is in Jerusalem at the temple. 
Jesus replied, woman, believe me, a time is coming when God's kingdom comes, when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not know what you worship. We Jews do know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit from the heart and from the inner self and in truth. For the father seeks such people to be his worshipers. God is spirit, the source of life, yet invisible to mankind. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, the anointed, when that one comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came and they were surprised to find him talking with the woman. However, no one said, what are you asking about? Or what are you talking to her about? When the woman left her water jar, the woman left and ran into the city and began telling the people, come see a man who told me all the things I have done. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed? So in recounting this woman's encounter now with God revealed, Jesus in the flesh, I love that she, number one, not only was the woman asked questions, she asked questions of her own. In your intimate time with God, I know uh, we have a, a colloquialism that um, never to question God. God is the one who will give wisdom to all men liberally and those who ask for it. So asking questions is actually one of the main ways in which Jesus actually taught the word in the flesh, how to live out this godly life. He would ask the individuals he encountered questions. Number one, it let anyone else who was in the area get an understanding of where that person was in their thought process. And then Jesus would always ask questions to challenge you and even give you the answer to help bring your understanding up. As I swam through this text, some of the questions the woman would ask or reply to Jesus with actually lets, lets us know that even with Jesus saying some things plainly or through a parable, she wouldn't quickly catch the understanding. However, Jesus continues the conversation and doesn't get frustrated and walk away. So when you are sitting with God and he's asking you questions or you're asking him questions, know that you have a God who is willing to sit there and not get frustrated with your questions. There's no question too insignificant for him to answer. He, he actually prefers that you have clarity and understanding because without clarity and understanding, how are you able to apply the word to your life? So in reading this text, when people talk about um, the Bible just being a good book, this isn't just a good book. This is power. This is um, a roadmap so that you can know what to do in the time of trouble. If you found yourself in a valley where it feels like 
things around you and the situation, circumstances in your life feel like they're killing you, you're probably in Psalm 23. You're in a valley of the shadow of death. It's a shadow. Shadows can't hurt you. It just looks like it's going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. But if you're not, not uh, attuned and you don't read your word, despite God speaking, because he is always talking, despite him speaking, you won't catch it. This woman received spiritual sight. Her mind was enlightened. Her spirit was woken up. Her soul was, she literally fell into um, enlightenment and awakening with her spirit, which is perfect. Because the spirit understands all things. However, our soul and our flesh, they're a little bit slow sometimes. She received spiritual sight through questions and conversation with the Lord. Your intimacy your understanding, your wisdom, these things that we receive from God, it's like peeling an onion. We start at the surface, but as you peel back those layers, you're gonna get deeper revelation, deeper extrapolation of scripture. Our God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, their contact hours are 24-7, always on call. They're, they transcend time and space. They're able to be contacted by prayer and cry out anywhere in the world, by praise and by worship, and also via text, reading your Bible, which is your Logos word, the written word. What will this intimate time with God accomplish is set captives free. And, and let me just stop there because not all captives have chains or are behind prison walls. There are people who are captive to depression, to anxiety, to shame, to guilt. So not all imprisonment requires chains and bars. There are free people who aren't really free. Time, intimate time, and timing your word will heal those oppressed by the devil. He is near to the brokenhearted. And again, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. Now, if anyone were to ask what qualifies Jesus for these things, if I had to write his resume, which is what I did here, just to illustrate, Jesus's birth and ordination comes from heaven above. And John 1, really 1 through 18, explain that, but Jesus is, and our spirits actually transcend time and space, which is why when you come to your intimacy with God and you become, become acclimated to recognizing his voice, you're going to start to recognize this is a familiar voice. And then even as he takes you retrospectively through things to re-examine some things that we might have still a more perception about or we didn't have the whole truth when we made a decision about, you'll start recognizing that God was talking to me at that time. He is eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. At 12 in Luke 2, 45-47, we actually see Jesus teaching in the synagogue. He had been left by his parents accidentally at one of the feasts. And it was the custom, number one, to attend the feast. You had to do at least three a year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
And Jesus was actually found after his parents had journeyed away three days and had to come back and get him. He was found teaching in the synagogue amongst the lawyers, the religious leaders of that time. And they were totally awed by his level of understanding, his depth of thought and probing questions. But when you sit and you spend time like that with God, you too will exhibit that same characteristic of just wisdom and in-depth insight. And God will actually, once he knows he can trust you, he'll start revealing his mysteries to you. Because the mysteries aren't given to them. <laughs> they are given to those who seek God. Then we see the onstart of Jesus's official ministry with the baptism at the Jordan River. I have referenced those scriptures across the four gospels. Um, as it was stated in Isaiah in, and in other prophecies prior to Jesus's arrival, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Jesus taught his disciples that the Holy Spirit would guide, counsel, and comfort those who follow Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, we have Christ's presence and power multiplying through each of us because we are the hands and feet of the church. And we also must actually come to know the Holy Spirit to understand scripture. He's the one who's going to peel back the layers and drop the veil from our eyes and from our minds. So some of Jesus's work experience as a shepherd, we see him shepherding David through the valley of the shadow of death where he is still concealed. This intimate time with God provided David with the comfort and strength he needed to endure the valley. And because David endured the valley, he reached the table prepared in the presence of his enemies. There are a lot of people who want that table prepared in the presence of their enemies, my cup overflowing, but they don't wanna endure the valley. So if you've been looking to an answer why um, you haven't gotten the overflow and you haven't gotten into the, got, got to the table in the presence of your enemy, you weren't willing to go through the valley. You want it out early. You didn't want to sit in the oven in the fiery furnace like the Hebrew boys and just know that if I get in it, God's in it with me. A lot of people will either faint before grasping it or they just want out early. And because you are unwilling to just bear it, though it's uncomfortable, though it might be painful, God will pull you out of it. But you can't blame him because you just weren't willing to endure. And it's hard to endure when you're not anchored around the, the word of God. David profited from such enduring trials and persecution, as well as received spiritual refreshment. And spiritual refreshment is critical to surviving a hard place. David also learned probably the greatest thing that anyone who follows Jesus has to learn, and that's patience. Patience with the timetable of God, awaiting instructions, directives that do not fail you. And patience isn't just about the period of time you spend waiting. Patience is actually about how you conduct yourself while you're waiting. Are you still exercising Galatians 5.22? Love, kindness, self-control, gentleness.
in John 4, Jesus with the Samaritan woman, where we have God rebuilt this intimate encounter. So we, we get to see the intimate encounter with God in spirit, as well as God in the flesh. No matter the racial social position or past sins, nothing can keep you from Jesus. He will cross barriers to share the gospel and rival any cultural, religious restrictions. An encounter with God through intimate time with him, like sitting at a well, will change your your perception, your um. It, it can actually change marred perceptions and create a deeper understanding when you and help you start to understand other people as well. And it is going to empower the transformation on the inside of you and also change how you deal with problems and help you just really raise up your, your view from a ground view to an aerial view, which is God's perspective. And then lastly, John 4 teaches us that the location of worship is not nearly as important as the attitude of the worshiper. So let this encourage you, let this strengthen you in your day-to-day as you commit to this walk with God. And don't be afraid to ask questions, but be patient enough to sit there and wait for your answer. Okay, I want to, um, we'll probably take a very few questions because we might be a little bit, yeah, we're right at the time that we came on. Um, but I wanted to say next next week, if you, I know uh, Sonia was saying, you know, like sometimes the way the, the, the um, Charles Stanley study life principle is set up, you have to kind of get the used to it. So, you know, kind of tap a little bit through these, uh, um, like, uh, let me see, in, uh, what's the date, the 17th, tomorrow is the 18th. At the top, if you, if you can't get to do those, which it would be good if you did, go to 215, where it says, do I have a role to play in communicating God's truth to others? And just go to the, just go to the, the, uh, and page 210 as well, the top of 210 regarding Psalm 23. Yeah, so if you don't read the whole part of that, which if you get used to it, it really is very good. But um, like on page 222, why should we know the ways of God? So basically what this is teaching us or should be teaching us to have an intimacy with God. And as we go through all of these, hopefully it'll build enough by the time we get to the four weeks off and come back on, it'll kind of give you a sense of getting more connected to God. And, you know, we have the usual Bible studies or whatever, and, and that's good because we need to be for, before God as much as we can. One thing we need to do is make sure that we stay before God in prayer because God, our prayer connects us to God. We speak to God, he speaks back to us. So it's, it's, it's a, a two-line communication. So the thing about it is it's important that we pray 
and stay before God. And basically, Charles Stanley set this up so that we would do that. So that we would get a closer relationship with God. So that we would be able to do the work that we've called to do. So I find that um, a lot of these, uh, like, uh, where's another one? Just, just for this week, uh, our days for this week would be from uh, the 18th. What's today's day? Today's the 17th. 17th oh, today. From, from the 17th to the 23rd. The 23rd. To the 23rd. No, the 20th. Yeah, 24th. Kind of like look at some of those topics. If you do not read through what he's saying here, just read those topics. Because basically, what we were, we were showing you, David and the woman at the well, how they gained intimacy with God. That was the purpose of putting those two before you. Because the more we come before God, the more he hear us, and the more he would allow us to be used by him, and the more he'll give us situations that we'll say, oh, my God, thank you. Because it's an honor to be used by God. It's a privilege and an honor. Now we kind of open it up for maybe about five minutes of, 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 of questions because we don't like to go over the time to be, you know, uh, anyone have any questions? And also Tuesday, we'll have our Q&A on Tuesday from 7 to 7.45 um, to address any additional questions that you might come come to have or may have had and, and just forgot. Um, just please try to round down in a localized little notebook or you can email us. We'll be sending out the email from our new email, which is study at gmail.com. She's a mess. So, um, just so I, I, cause I don't want anything to um, fall through the cracks and I want to make sure we're getting you the clarity, understanding and the exegesis of this text so that you live prosperous and successful lives. Um, so the next, the future emails of the outline and our worksheets each week, uh, if we have them will actually come from that email. And the, the, the part that we're going to send out next week and we're still on intimacy with god we got two more sessions on that so we'll be into this part of it until we can't come to the next life principle so all of this in here relates to getting intimacy with god so we can pull out from here and if you feel like mm, you have other bible studies and stuff and you can't really go through this but at least choose some of the topics uh, answer to life's questions. And this one over here uh, in, in uh, uh, am I still on? Did I push it off? It's uh, what are the consequences of slow for living? So read some of those if you don't read, you know, all the other part and take notes and share them with us and let us know if there's anything that you think that we need to correct on or anything that you think that you need to give us to make us better. This is our group, meaning us that are in this group. And there will be times that it will be open up if somebody want to, they can take a lesson and they can do, you know, that lesson tag team with Janelle or me. 
So, you know, if anybody feel like that's something that they might want to do too, just let us know. Because when know you're ready. You. When you're ready. Huh? When they're ready. Yeah. Because we know that that you know, because some of you have been around a long time with study. So what you can give can help us as well. Absolutely. And it says to at the beginning of any journey, and y'all can read that part. Uh, I'm not sure if we have that part. Do we need to send that part? Yeah. I'm just, okay. just, you know, at the beginning of any journey, you must set out in the right direction to reach your destination. That's why the study of life principles starts with God's wonderful purpose of bringing you into the world to find a life worth living. You must understand that you are a special beloved person and that God has a specific, wonderful, powerful life that you are looking for. As we depart this evening, um, consider these questions. Do you know what motivated God to design the universe or why he created you? Put it in your spiritual bank. It was love, pure and simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Even before the beginning of the world, God loved you and wanted to have a relationship with you that will bring a great peace, joy, fulfillment, and power to your life. Therefore, our intimacy with God is his highest priority and should be yours because it's going to change the trajectory of your life, its impact, its influence, its empowerment, and fruitfulness. These things are directly connected to your relationship with God, his call, and plans, but you must respond each and every day. The best thing about being a sheep is that we belong to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Our intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives and determines the impact of our lives, and it should be your highest priority as well. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again for this Bible study this evening. Thank you that you wrap yourself around our minds and we allow our minds to be malleable putty in your hands. Shape us, shape our thinking, shape our thoughts, shape our perspective, shape our perceptions. That we are no longer deceived by the enemy, but that we have your wisdom, your truth, your love, your forgiveness, and your mercy and compassion resting on us, our minds, our thoughts, our actions, and our words each and every day of our lives. Let us find ourselves deeply connected to your word and let us be living word, a living testimony, a living sacrifice, redeemed by the blood of Jesus in Jesus's mighty and matchless name. Amen. 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 I just